0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ECHOEGT.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ECHOEGT. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Amen. Take your Bible out with me tonight and turn to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, we just concluded last Wednesday night a, our series on 1 Peter. And now we're going to spend the next few weeks, several weeks, a couple months in the book of 2 Peter. Now, we're going to read. Out, we came out of a sermon series back in June and July about a surviving. And we dealt with these verses. But we're taking the approach of the Apostle Paul, talking to the church of Philippi. In chapter 3, verse 1 of Philippians, Paul said, listen, for me to write these things to you again is not burdensome. Matter of fact, it is needful. And it is so important that we have a continual a continual uh, reminder of the Word of God. And no matter how many times you read a passage, you preach from a passage, Hear me, it is always fresh because it is God's word, and God's word is alive. So we're going to skip the introductory, and we're going to go down to verse 3 and read to verse 11. I've tied up my thoughts this, keep growing. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, keep growing. Maybe you're talking to your husband, tell him keep growing. Maybe you're talking to your wife, tell her to keep growing. Your children keep growing in Christ Jesus reading out the new living translation by his divine power God has given us everything we need for living a godly life we have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence and because of his glory and excellence he has given us great and precious promises these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with general, a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with, patient, um, with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now, notice verse 8. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail, those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old life. So brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word, the opportunity we have uh, to share your word this evening. Give us ears that would hear and may we leave here tonight changed, challenged, conform to the image of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We're going to quickly go through these verses this evening so we can move on next week to verses 12 and following. Notice there in verse 3 by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. It's very simple. Peter is very clear. The gospels are very clear. Everything you need for this spiritual life is found in Christ, it is at your disposal. You have everything. You need. I believe it's important for you and I to remind ourselves from a spiritual aspect that we have been provided. We have provision to live this Christian life successfully. Your God is not a God of scarcity, your God is a God of abundance. Notice what Peter says He says, We lack nothing. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So change your mindset. Allow your attitude uh, to differ. Even in COVID-19, hear me, nothing catches God by surprise. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. You have everything you need to live a successful Christian godly life, and it's found in Jesus Christ, even in the midst of COVID-19. Can somebody give God praise? Thank you, Lord. Now, let me give you some verses for you to understand that your God is not a God of scarcity. He's not trying to keep you down. Matter of fact, he's already provided everything. You just got to learn to tap in to the provision. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or even think. He can accomplish more than you can ask. And even think. Now, I don't know about you, I can ask for a whole lot of stuff. I can really dream some big dreams. But Paul told the church of Ephesus, you don't even comprehend what God wants to do for you. So I need you to catch that glad tidings. That that even when the enemy's trying to shut the doors Of the church, God is able to supply infinitely more than we could even ask for or comprehend. Jude, verse 24, now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away, and he will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. Uh, You say, well, I don't know if I can live under the pressure. I don't know if I can overcome under the pressure of what we are going through. Jude says this, uh, who is able to keep you from falling away, and he's going to bring you with great joy into his glorious presence, guess what, without one single fault. Oh, that's the power of God. That's the goodness of God. One more, Romans 16, verse 20, and then verse 25. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Now, that's shouting grounds right there. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Verse 25, now, all glory, who is able to make you strong. Oh, glory to God, who's able to make you strong. God's called you to himself. He's done so that you might know him and the power of his resurrection. As we look at other scriptures, it confirms what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1. Listen to Paul's prayer for the Philippian church, chapter 1 of Philippians, verse 9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. And that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. See, God's given you, he's He's provided, given provision, but you and I have to attain and you and I have to appropriate that provision. And it's found in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So Paul's prayer, just like Peter's desire, Paul's prayer was this, that the love for God would overflow. Cultivate the love you have for God. Don't be satisfied with just where you are. Cultivate that love. Say, Lord, I want my love for you to grow. And grow. So how does that happen? By growing in the knowledge and understanding of Christ Jesus. He prayed a similar prayer for the Colossian church. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. So we have not st- stopped praying for you since you We first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. So this provision that God has given to us, these precious promises that Peter talks about, It is found in the sphere of spiritual knowledge of growing in Christ Jesus. Peter says this, he's given you everything you need to live a life of godliness, a godly life. So, remember, we talked about this a month or two ago. You've got to make every effort you God's provided he's made provision now you got to go after the provision and I think this is so important in the season that we are in right now because I think the the danger for all of us is to get complacent the danger of all of us because we have restrictions and because we can't do things like we want to do then uh, then we get complacent and we become spiritually lazy you want to give the devil a black eye during this season? Commit to growing in Christ. Commit to staying connected because, see, the enemy, there's, a, there's an all-out assault on your faith. The enemy's trying to get you to deny God. He's trying to get you to turn your back against God. But why don't you reverse it on the enemy? You say, even though I can't attend the house of God, I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to grow in my faith. I'm still going to stay connected. They may say I can't get together with other friends, but I'll get on Zoom. I'll get on Facebook. I will Connect in many different ways. Listen, I don't think the devil knows what he's doing. Matter of fact, I know he doesn't know what he's doing because he's trying to suppress the church, and the church is becoming more creative than ever, and the church is expanding and growing, and we are seeing lives changed. Woo, the church has definitely left the building. God is working and moving. You have to make every effort, notice what Peter says in verse 5, to respond to God's promises, to respond to what God has done. We are in a reciprocal relationship with the divine, a reciprocal relationship with the divine. Notice verse 8, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord. Jesus Christ in view of what of your most precious faith make every effort to respond to God's promises and as you respond to God you'll find his word will strengthen you will refresh you it will cause you to become rooted and grounded now that phrase to make every effort means to give haste to. Remember I said this, don't let any grass grow underneath your feet. <laughs> Run to it. Be active in it. And the more you grow, the more productive. Get it? The more you grow, the more productive. The consequence of growing is fruit. The consequence, the, the the, the benefit, the consequence of making healthy decisions, of leaning into the activity of God is fruit. You are going to grow in your relationship. You are going to be stronger coming out of this season than you were going in. Why? Because you're leaning into the activity of God. You're allowing the Lord to, to, to smooth off the rough edges. You're allowing the Lord by the Holy Spirit and the Word to to attack those motives that are wrong, those attitudes that are wrong. And uh, some things that are irritating you are irritating you for a reason. They're irritating you because God's trying to get you to change. And you've been this way for years, and you can't figure out why you're so frustrated, why you're so irritated. I'm here to tell you God's trying to change you. God's trying to, to remove some of those things because he's got something better for you. So what must we do? We've got to put forth effort. And the, the New Living Translation uses the word supplement, add to. So let's get into these qualities. We've got about, about 12 to 15 minutes left, and we're going to run through these qualities real quick. Faith. Everything begins Bruce Barton writes this, faith is, of course, the first characteristic, for without it, Christians are no different from the world around them. The faith Peter referred to is faith in Christ, faith that brings them into the family of God. You know, the passage that Pastor Gabe read during the time of exhortation Romans chapter 8, nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of God, neither peril, nor sword, nor nakedness. That's family language. God's talking to believers. God's talking to a a church that was persecuted, to a church that was going through the fire. And, and, And Paul wanted them to realize that the Holy Spirit was telling them that the present affliction, the present circumstance could not separate them from the love of God. That is family language. I want to remind you tonight that COVID-19, the trial, the furnace you're walking through, cannot separate you from the love that's found in Christ. God is faithful. That's family language. That's family talk. It starts with faith. And Peter says, listen, that's the foundation. And you got to supplement you got to begin to add to that. He says, add what? Moral excellence. Moral excellence, which is Christ's likeness. Jesus was the epitome of moral excellence. Some, some translations translate it with virtue or goodness. So to their faith, believers were to add lifestyles that mirrored Christ. You know, I'm going to be talking about this in a sermon series we're developing. We are living in a post-truth era. We're living in a post-truth era. People have convictions, they have beliefs, and it's not based upon truth. It's based upon their truth. It's based upon their emotions, based upon what they want to believe at the moment. So, so what is going to reach them is no longer saying, but the Bible says, because they don't accept the Bible. They don't accept any kind of truth. So what is going to reach them is a life that is mirroring uh, the life of Jesus Christ. When you respond like Jesus would have you to respond, you're reflecting godliness. You're you're reflecting uh, this moral excellence, and they'll see the power of God in you, and they'll say, I want that. Tell me more about your God. And then the Holy Spirit begins to open them their eyes to biblical truth, to real truth, and he will transform them. It's imperative that we add to our faith moral excellence, Christ-likeness virtue. What is to be our motive for such high standards? The shining moral quality of Christ's life compels us to be our very best. You're not measuring yourself with somebody else. If you are, you're doing the wrong. Your measurement is Jesus. He is the one that your life stands up to or falls. Measure yourself to Christ. Another meaning or aspect of the word for moral excellence is do the right thing. Do the right thing, courage to do the right thing. If there's ever been a season we the church needs to do the right thing, it is now. It is today. Now, we start with faith, then we add a generous portion of moral excellence, and then to moral excellence we add a generous portion of knowledge. Now, when Peter speaks of knowledge, what is he talking about? Let's talk about doctrinal knowledge. And when we say doctrinal knowledge, we're speaking of knowledge revealed in Scripture, growing in your understanding of the Scriptures. Many of us are more isolated than we've ever been, we're, we're, we're quarantined either in part or in whole to our homes. You, in one sense, have a whole lot more time than you've ever had. So, make the most of it. Grow in your spiritual understanding. Read the Word of God. Take out the Bible. Begin to read and study. That's how you grow in your faith. Read this book from front to cover. Ask the Lord to help you and to give you ears of understanding. So this knowledge is doctrinal knowledge. Remember Philippians 1 verse 9? We quoted it earlier. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding. Well, how do you do that? The Word. The Word. God has written to you His love letter. The biblical Word tells us His standards, His guidelines. And then how can we say we love God, but we don't study what he's given us? How can we say, I want to to be this Christ follower, and I want to be uh, closer to God than ever, when we never pick up the Bible. Pick up the word of God. Read it. Study it. Individually. And study it with others. So notice what Peter says. To faith, add moral excellence. And to uh, moral excellence, knowledge. And then we must add a generous portion of self-control. Verse 6, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance. Some translations use the word temperance. Self-control is the ability to control oneself. One writer states this, True knowledge leads to self-control. You want to develop self-control? Get knowledge of the Word. Because the Word will be like a hammer. Sometimes it will smash things in you like, oh, man, that really... Sometimes the water will be like oil. It will soothe you. Sometimes the water, the Word will be like water. And, and, and water does many things. It makes you more pliable. It quenches a thirst. But water also... It melts away some things. It washes away. And that's what the Word of God will be to you. It will lead you to self-control. But it comes back to the study of God's Word. Will you make a commitment to read more of the Word next week than you read this week? Will you make it a commitment? Maybe this year. I know half of the year's already gone. Why don't you start now and just say, you know what? This is my new year uh, resolution in July. By this time next July, I'm going to read the, the Word of God from front to cover. I'm going to do it. It's never too late. Never too late to start. Read the Word of God. Get the Word of God in you. So let's move quickly. Now to faith and moral excellence and to... And, uh, uh, moral excellence to knowledge and, and add self control to knowledge and to self control, add a generous portion of patient endurance. Patient endurance. <clears throat> the Greek word means steadfastness, it's the power to withstand hardship or stress, especially the inward fortitude. So when everything is pressing in on you, <laughs> guess what? You're still standing up. You're still bearing up. It means to weather the storm. Wow, what a prophetic word for us tonight. Uh, Lord, give us patient endurance. Help us to be a steadfast church. Help us to stand up under the pressure and help us to weather the storm. You are weathering this storm because you are committed to add to your faith moral excellence. And to moral excellence, you're adding temperance. And you know what? To temperance, you are adding knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And that is developing in you a patient endurance, the ability to be steadfast. You know what 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That follows the passage of talking about death, talking about dying and resurrection. And Paul ends that section by saying, Be ye steadfast, unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord. And if you're steadfast today, you're developing steadfastness for tomorrow. And the more you are learning to bear up under that, guess what? You're weathering the storm. The storm is not taking you out. The storm is not going to destroy you. The storm is going to make you stronger because that's what God does. That's the goodness of God. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. But we're not destroyed. Why? Because we don't stay down. We get back up. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. So the life of Jesus may also be seen in our our bodies. Through suffering, we share in the death of Christ. So the resurrection power of Christ can be shown through our life. Some people may ask you, how in the world do you do it? How do you keep this godly perspective when everybody around is being negative? Everybody's talking about fear. Everybody's talking about uh, what's going on. And, And you just keep a good outlook. How are you doing that? Do you see the opportunity you have then to share your faith in Christ? Wow. Now, to patient endurance, add a generous portion of godliness. Godliness. What is godliness? Godliness is putting on putting on, the life of Christ. A word for godliness in the Greek comes from two words. It means well, and it means to worship. You put those two together, it means to worship well. One theologian writes this, Christians are to live consistent, Christ-like lives showing by their godliness that they have a very practical awareness of God in every aspect of their existence. It means to live well, to worship well. How do you worship well? Live by biblical truth. The only way you can live by biblical truth is you've got to know biblical truth. You've got to study the Word. Fall in love with the Word of God. All of these characteristics will begin to be added to your life. And then Peter call, closes out by saying, you add to all these things. Now notice the rounding phrase as he closes it out, add love. And Peter uses two different words for love in order to display the true scope of love. It starts with brotherly affection. And it's interesting to me that brotherly affection or love follows godliness. And I believe there's a subtle inference here. True godliness is not some hardened truth that becomes judgmental and condemning. But in its fullest outflow, it is manifested in love, love for others. You've heard this time and time again. Brotherly love comes from the word Philadelphia. Now, this is a family term. We are to show love one for the other in the family of faith. We're not to be judgmental towards each other. And in this time, we need to hear that. We need to hear that. Listen, love is what's going to bind all of us together. This Philadelphia, this brotherly love. And then the second type love is agape. He says love for everyone. Now let me clarify what agape love is. Agape love is the love we see demonstrated in John three sixteen. It's the love we see demonstrated on the cross of Calvary. Agape love is unconditional love that draws the best out of you. And your best is God's design for you. Agape love always moves you to restoration, always moves you to redemption. Agape love will call things out in you. Agape love will identify sin so that it can be repented of and that you can realize your fullness in Christ Jesus. God wants you to spend eternity with him. Now, I, 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 I clarify this biblical agape love because culture has tried to redefine love today. And they've created this idea that if you love me and Christianity is about love, God is love, and you should let me do whatever I want. Just love everything. Hear me. True, biblical, agape love calls the sin out of your life and calls you to the standard of God's word. This is what we must exercise. This is what we must seek to grow in. This is what we must seek after. I believe that God's got something great in store for you. But you got to go after it. you got to grow. Now notice what he says in verse 8. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be. You know, everybody I come in contact with, When I talk to you on a personal note, I talk to others. Everybody wants to feel valuable. Everybody wants to feel useful. Everybody wants to grow. Well, Peter lays out how to do it. And he says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be. You will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but those who fail to develop, so it's talking about a choice. you got a choice. You can develop or you cannot develop. But I know you, you want to add to your faith. You want to grow in your knowledge. You don't want to, You don't want to be the same place tomorrow as you were today. And you don't want to be in the same place next year as you are right now. You want to be stronger. You want your faith to be richer. You want to continue in this walk with God. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted, blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers, again, family language. Work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. You've got a responsibility. Work hard to prove That your life is a life following after God. And that people can see you're chosen by God. Do these things, and I love this, you will never fall away. Can you thank Jesus? If you do these things, you will never fall away. I wonder right there where you are, can we stand? Can we just begin to worship God and thank the Lord that He's given us, He's given us a recipe for success. He's given us a recipe to grow where we will never fall. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.